okay. So when something doesn't work out like you planned, is one of your options to fix it just doubling down on your efforts? (laughs) I mean, this is human nature. So if you answered yes, like totally okay. But even saying that like out of context, I realize how a little bit insane it is. You know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I think that's what we do as pleasers and perfectionists. We try really hard repeatedly to make relationships work. Even ones that don't deserve that much dedication or persistence or understanding. So I'd like to look at this. I'd like to shine a light on how it's not the greatest fix-it option to just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Keep trying to be understanding of the other person's point of view. Keep trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, things like that. But I also want to talk about where this comes from, why we do the doubling down and why we try to fix it, figure it out, and take the responsibility ourselves when it comes to making relationships work. So I'm excited. Let's get into where this people-pleasing and perfectionism started, where it all came from, okay? All right, I'll see you in a minute. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. Welcome to a new year. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers. It's Vicki. I'm your host. Still me. And we're still going to be diving into people-pleasing and perfectionism stuff. I know I'm a little late getting back on the bandwagon for January. Actually, I don't feel like I'm late at all. I feel like I'm early. I don't even really want to come out of my hole, my little hibernation hole. (laughs) until March. So I thought about not doing anything in January. And then I kind of rested a little bit. And I felt like I'm excited to talk about some things this year. And uh, yeah, I want to start off by understanding where this whole thing came from, where this whole pattern, this whole idea, these these behavioral habits we have around people-pleasing and perfectionism, I'd love to just start the year by looking at where it all began. And that's from our dear old mom and dad, our families, um, however your family was structured, your caregivers, the people that taught you about the world and taught you, hey, these are the rules. This is how you do things. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is what we believe. This is how we want you to be and act. This is how you should be and act. Um, So yeah, that's what we're going to start with. Uh, So welcome to where it all began. Uh, I think about Elizabeth Warren when 
she was running for president. And, or maybe it was something else. Yeah, it was another thing that she was doing. I'm so non-political, y'all. So uh, maybe you love that. But there was a phrase, nevertheless, she persisted. I know who said it. I'm not going to name his name. It's kind of like Voldemort. Um, But remember the nevertheless, she persisted? That kind of took off for a while. Uh, Yeah, I thought about that when I was wondering how to start with family of origin stuff and where people pleasing began. Um, I feel like nevertheless, she persisted as a little bit of a theme for us people pleasers and perfectionists. And it isn't a great quality to have, honestly, to persist and to not give up. Um, sure it is, it is, if you're a professional athlete or, I, I don't know, I, I often watch these documentaries on Netflix and I am so inspired by the dedication and the determination and the persistence of athletes and how they break their own barriers. That's not what I'm talking about when it comes to people pleasing. (laughs) It's not always the greatest quality to have. But as people pleasers, we can keep things going when it's really past time to let them go. And we do this because we believe in relationships. We are wired just as human beings to be connected. But us people pleasers, we have a very strong wiring to be connected. And that is because of a pain of disconnection that we've had in early relationships. So we persist, we don't give up in relationships that aren't good for us. And how did this all begin, right? So think about it in this way, even as a human being, but as a pleaser. We want to be seen, we want to be heard, we want to be cared for, just like everybody else. So we get caught in justifying bad behavior, relationships that aren't good for us, because we aren't willing to walk away and feel the pain of that disconnection until we've tried everything we possibly can to get what we need from these people. But the thing is, if there were 100 people in a room and there were 98 healthy people and one person that wasn't capable for whatever reason to have a healthy relationship, let's say two people since it's 98 and 100, two people in that room that aren't completely capable for whatever reason of having a healthy relationship, we as pleasers would find them. It is like a homing device. Who needs my help? Who needs my generosity? Where can I find acceptance? I will work this person in this relationship. I will give everything I have freely so that I can feel important, purposeful, and connected. And we do it because we are trying to get the thing that we didn't get earlier from other people. And so I really want to talk about why we persist and what we needed earlier and why we're so hellbent, even if it's unconscious, to try, try, try in relationships. 
we do this, we persist because we believe that people will eventually turn around with enough of our care and love and time and energy that the those two people out of a hundred, those people will change. So pleasers, we had these early relationship experiences that were one-sided. And I'm going to focus on family and it's not to blame our parents, okay? But I just want to say that this is where this early wiring comes from, right? This is where these early patterns start, our family of origin. With our parents, caregivers, siblings, whoever was there for us, we learned to direct our attention to those around us because we had to in order to survive. But for a lot of us pleasers and perfectionists, the people that were around us weren't capable of actually reciprocating and directing their attention towards us. And they weren't able to do that freely. So we began to believe we had to earn their attention. And we did this over and over and over again. We persisted. Now, let's just frame this in a way, again, that doesn't blame our parents or caregivers. Maybe they worked a lot. Maybe they were addicted to things and they kind of avoided being close to people. Um, They avoided feeling things. Maybe they struggled with depression or anxiety. Maybe we can see now as adults that they did the best that they could. And maybe we even realize that it wasn't them, but it was the environment we were in. But that's kind of the point I want to make. As pleasers, we can see the other person's side very easily. We think about all the reasons why someone might not have been capable to offer us love and support and encouragement, and we excuse them for those reasons. If we don't, then we're just in an unfulfilling relationship and nobody wants that. We want to hold on to hope that the person will eventually understand that we need something as well. But until that person does wake up and realize how amazing it is to be in a relationship with us, we persist in being understanding to their issues. We persist in showing up for them. We persist in trying like hell to connect with them. And we can get caught in persisting, especially with family members, people who should be close to us, who we assume, oh, yeah, they're family, they're blood, they, you know, have been around us and get us um, above anybody else in our lives. These are the people we believe should understand us and give us the benefit of the doubt. And we're sure that something will change with our family members if we just give it enough time or attention, or if we just don't give up, if we don't give up on the relationship and the connection, if we show them that we are deserving of time and attention and love, then we will get it back. If we ease their stress by being flexible or accommodating, then they will appreciate our easiness. They will enjoy being around someone who is easy to be around. Here's something that used to really fuck with me. It used to really mess with me about trying, trying, trying to get what I needed from family. It must be me, I thought. My belief was it must be my 
fault that I'm not getting what I need. I am the reason I'm not getting love or attention or encouragement or support or time or anything. I had this understanding that I was the common denominator in all of my relationships. And as kids or younger people, we are egocentric, right? The world revolves around us. It has to because we're, we're powerless. We have to try to, if you will, manipulate our world to get what we need because we can't just get in the car and go to the grocery store and get what we need. So we act like a good kid so that we can get, you know, the cereal we want. That's very simplified. But as kids, we are egocentric. And even though... This is a bit more sophisticated than I can really give my younger self credit for to have this understanding that I was the common denominator. It is something innate in us to try to control our environment, right? So I tried to control, if you will, how I was treated. And even if I unconscious, unconsciously collected data about this works or this doesn't, <laughs> I still somehow understood that doing this, like uh, getting a good grade or keeping my room cleaned or all those things that I could control as a kid, if I did X and that got a smile or a look of kindness or even a side shoulder hug, I would do that more. That was unconscious data I collected. (laughs) But still, we all do it. And if the person around me was tense or upset or whatever, like I didn't feel good, I would try to do that, oh, look at my, you know, artwork or, oh, I got an A on my spelling test. I would try to do that thing that made me easy to be around, that made the tension ease up a little bit. Because if they were a little less tense, I could feel some kind of connection I could get a little bit of attention from them and feel seen and loved. But when those experiments did not pan out, I was sure it was because of me and all of my deficiencies. And the reason this messed with me is because it it sent me into self-doubt and hopelessness. And so what was I going to do? I was going to persist. I was going to double down. I was going to do the only thing that I knew how to do to get out of self-doubt and hopelessness. But after doing work on my people-pleasing, my part that pleases, why it pleases, the pattern I just looped in all the time for so long, after doing that work, I realized I don't want to blame myself so much anymore for relationships that don't work out. And I don't know if I want to persist as much as I have been in relationships that don't work. I'm kind of tired of taking all the responsibility because relationships are two-way street. And I wasn't really into or enjoying earning love anymore. It, you know, like all that persistence, it made me feel like I was doing this kind of dance and trying to get applause. Like I wasn't interested in earning it as much as I used to be. It just wasn't as enjoyable for me to be the extreme flexible friend or the invisible person um, and just fade in and agree 
and be quiet and keep my opinions to myself. It wasn't that enjoyable anymore. And I wasn't as into focusing on what others needed. I mean, I still am and I will always, but I wasn't as interested in it. And I wasn't okay with having to keep trying to get what I needed and make getting the crumbs that I got from all that effort okay. Like I wasn't satisfied with the crumbs. And and I started thinking like, oh my gosh, am I almost like training myself like a dog trainer would, you know, with like intermittent reinforcement, like treating a dog every so often when you, you know, you know, come when they're called, that sets them up to not knowing whether they're going to get the treat every time. So they hop to, they're like, oh, maybe this time I'll get the treat, right? So whether it was conscious or not on my caregiver's part to be inconsistent (laughs) with treating me for all the things that I experimented with to earn love, that's what ended up happening. And that is often the training that we get as pleasers when we're kids. Like it sets us up to be pleasers when we get that training. Sometimes we're flexible or funny or agreeable and we get nothing, right? So we try again and we persist and we gather the crumbs from our caregivers and we live off of those thinking that it's okay. I got something, but I kind of got tired of that. I was tired of justifying trying so hard and only getting things intermittently. And even though I understood that people, my parents, especially when I was learning this in my 20s, even though I understood that people were tired or stressed out about work, or maybe I wasn't, you know, the kindest, most exemplary person um, that I should have been when I interacted with them, I still felt like... I'm tired of persisting. I'm tired of trying so hard just to get something. I know you have a million examples in life about how you've persisted and tried really hard and just kept going. And I just want to shine a light on that for you. We do it. You know, we keep going. We keep trying to get blood from the stone because we're human beings We keep trying to get things from people that might be closed off or kind of emotionally immature, if you will, because we need connection and we will take what we can get because we've been trained to take what we can get. But it feels bad to be connected to somebody in that way. And then it leads us to try to make sense of who we are in relationships and how we should show up in relationships. And we end up just pushing ourselves to be better because we don't want to live with a pain of disconnection or separation. So to have a parent with narcissism or kind of avoidant personality or addicted to work or alcohol or anything that kind of takes them away from 
fostering healthy, safe connection with us, that's just prime fertile soil for us as people pleasers to emerge. And persisting, even though it might have gotten us crumbs and scraps when we were a kid and we needed it, it isn't healthy for us now. We need to look at who we are persisting with and what we believe we will get if we keep persisting. What we believe it means about us if we are a persister, right? Does that mean that, oh my gosh, I'm so caring. I'm just such a great person. I just, I just stay with people even through the really rough spots, whatever. Okay, so we're going to saint you. You know, you're going to be saint so-and-so now because you are such a giver. Come on, y'all. Are we doing all this so that we'll just get like people to say good things about us, you know, for people to think and believe and, you know, say, oh my gosh, she's so caring. She's so selfless. Look how unselfish she is. Ugh. Is that really the kind of relationship that feeds us? The kind of relationship that we want to live in and stay in? So when you kind of play around with these questions, you might notice that you're kind of bumping up against the fear of, but what if I don't do it? That's what keeps us persisting, y'all. The fear of disconnection, the fear of shame, the fear of being blamed for being selfish or whatever, the sting of criticism, all of that stuff makes us feel disconnected and separate. But if we're persisting because we're trying to avoid the reality of a relationship, like it's one-sided or it's abusive, I just want to say, see if you can shine your own flashlight on this. If you're avoiding the reality of a relationship, just see if you can shine the flashlight on the reality of the relationship, even if it's for just a second. And I do want to say, I'm sorry that you're having this experience with people, maybe significant people in your life. The reality of the relationship is that it is one-sided or it is abusive. So I really am sorry that you're currently in that experience and that it is super hard to shine a light on the reality of the relationship. But I just want you to know it came from the, the persistence that you have, the undying love that you have and determination that you have to make this relationship work. And this kind of unconscious belief that they will change if you give them enough love and they'll start giving it back to you and it'll be too, too, a two-way street. Like I, I just want to say that it's time to look at that. It's time to look at how you grew up and how you set these patterns in motion and how you're continuing them. And I also just want to say there's a way to rewire that early programming. And doing that rewiring is something I totally dig. I love working with clients and helping them pan back and step and step back and see like, oh, this is where this began. 
I love helping people sift out what patterns they've kept going when they've truly outgrown them. So whether it's my flashlight or your own flashlight that is taking, you know, taking a look at this pattern of where you currently are in relationships with people, I also want you to see where it came from and that it's not all your fault. It's not all you and your deficiencies that create disconnection with people. It's a little bit like you were trained, you know, you were kind of the dog in that dog training scenario. Sorry to say I am too. (laughs) So come over here and, you know, let's howl at the moon together or something. But I would love to help you see where this came from. Your personal template for how this started for you and where it all began. So I hope that, uh, yeah, this this helped a little bit, made sense, and um, more to come on this, definitely more to come on how to rewire. So peace to you all, my pleaser and perfect friends, and I will see you soon. Thanks so much for listening. If this has been helpful for you, I'd so appreciate it if you could take a moment and just rate and review, and then others might be able to find us more easily. And please also share with friends that could use this information too. Okay, thanks again. And I look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Take care.